This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Potodri for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round. Come and join them in Aberdeen's biggest and best beer garden. And even better, head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Retty or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Come on you Reds! It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 70 of the ABZ Football Podcast. Two in a week, Gav, two in a week. Busy, busy beagles. Indeed, absolutely. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me for the second episode of the week it is, as always, Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how are you this evening? Well, I mean, of course, we've just uh, watched <laughs> that absolute disaster at, uh, at the Hammond Vale, the Tony Mac. The Motorola, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is an audio-only podcast only, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna live tweet for the first time in the history of this podcast. Nice. This bottle of whiskey that you see before you that had a lot more whiskey in it before I started watching tonight's game than it does now. <sighs> let's um, let's skip over the Oxbridge pleasantries and let's just get right into this. Okay, let's get right down to what is it again? <laughs> I can't remember. What it, that though that's it because totally, because then Toby just says what's Oxbridge about saying hello? Shut it, love. Actually, that's it. That's the one. Thank you. What made a hole punch your face? <laughs> I feel like punching a wall. To be honest, <laughs> never mind. In a couple of days, that saw. Sevco 5088 Limited fall to defeat to a side including Stevie May, Conor McLennan, and Adam Montgomery. And that saw Hibs continue to. I feel like that was more seamless when we tried it before, but never mind. It's another, I was going to say busy week. It is a busy week. There's two episodes. Uh, another episode of the ABZFP as we take a look back at. Uh, a 2-1 defeat to Livingston at the Tony Macaroni. And then after the break, we're going to take a look ahead to Saturday night. The visit of Dundee United to the home of football under the lights, the last game before the World Cup break. And we'll do so in the company of Ronnie Costello from the Dode Fox podcast. But first, Livingston 2, Aberdeen 1, Tuesday the 8th of November 2022. The Tony Macaroni Arena in the SPFL Premiership. One change to the team from Friday's win over Hibs. Jack McKenzie coming in for Hayden Coulson, who found himself on the bench alongside Alfie Babbage and Dylan Lobin. And after a fairly bright start that had attempts blocked or saved from Richardson and Miofsky, things took a entirely typical turn for the worse on just six minutes as a corner kick from Livingston was swept in. And as the Dons failed to clear... We ever heard that before. The ball fell for Fitzwater and making amends for his red card in the opening fixture between the teams this season, he fired towards goal and somehow the ball made its way into the net. Fair to say that Kelroos should have done better with that one. In a frantic spell which saw the home side continue to dominate possession and territory, 
the Lions picked up three corners in quick succession, causing the visitors all sorts of problems. And from the third, a penalty finally awarded for the home team, a header from Miofsky, hitting Barron on the hand. And after a lengthy delay as the ball swept up the other end of the park, that also saw Devlin booked. I, I, I'm presuming that booking was rescinded. I haven't gone back to check this, but never mind. The play was eventually pulled back for a VAR check. Penalty awarded, scored by Liam Kelly for 2-0 to the home side. The Dons finally decided to attempt to look like a football team after the half-hour mark. A good move, see McKenzie swinging across, Miofsky meeting it well, but his header was tipped over by George. And then Aberdeen started to have some pretty decent phases of play. Chances for Miofsky going begging before the Dons were awarded a VAR penalty of our own with just seconds left on the clock before halftime. A cross from Richardson met on the volley by Clarkson and his effort seemed to take a big deflection off Holt, but hitting the bar before Miofsky's rebound was straight in the hands of George again. Again, play raged on before referee Nick Walsh was told to go and look at the VAR monitor and on review. Indeed, the ball had hit Holt on the hand, penalty awarded, but... Just when you think you're right back in the game, Miofsky with a poor penalty saved by George and his follow-up header was probably just as bad, if not worse, cushioning the ball into the hands of the goalkeeper. Halftime, 2-0. I can see, Gav, you've been looking at the you've been looking at the computer. According to the BBC match report, Nicky Devlin's yellow card stood. That makes literally no sense. That surely has anyway. There we go. Um halftime, two goals to nil. And into the second half, Matty Kennedy on for Ross McCrory as the Dons shifted away from the 3-5-2 into a kind of 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3. A much, much, much brighter opening 10 minutes to the second half as Livy looked happy to settle and make things difficult. But no real clear-cut opportunities created from the wayside before VAR interjected for, well, the third penalty of the evening. A second for the Dons as Miofsky's header hit Fitzwater on the hand. This time, Duke stepped up to smash home the penalty despite... George getting a, a decent hand to it, but enough power on it from Duke for it to nestle in the net. And as the Dons began to mount some pressure, Scales with a header straight down the throat of George from a ball in from Barron. Duke with a glorious chance on 68 minutes. Good play by Kennedy. His ball in missed at the near post by by Miofsky, but the ball fell for the Cape for Dane, but his effort was hooked off the line by Obelai. Double switch for the Dons after that, Colson and Bajowin coming on for McKenzie and Clarkson. And the wee Dutchman had an effort on goal deflected wide for corner shortly after coming on. And it was one-way traffic, and this continued for the remainder of the game. Another shout for a penalty on 80 minutes as Duke went round Penrith and appeared to be shoulder charged off the ball, but nothing doing. Before some good play between Ramadani and Richardson released the right back to the byline, and his ball in was well cut out by George. Anthony Stewart withdrawn for Christian Aminez with seven minutes remaining. Ramadani taking the captain's armband in his stead, nearly leading to an instant impact. Ramirez meeting a cross ball at the back post to hook back, but Libby managed to hook it clear. Great chance for Duke with four minutes left. Played in well by Ramirez, but Duke's shot was high and wild over the top of the bar. Six minutes of injury time added. A final change for Aberdeen, seeing Watkins coming on for Richardson. To be honest, not much else after that. A long throw from Coulson found Miofsky after a flick on from Watkins, but his effort went wide. A free kick award with two minutes to go was floated in, but missed by everyone. And to be fair, that was that. Full time, 2-1 to the home team. Livingston pulling level with the Dons on 22 points, but our uh, superior goal difference means we remain in third at the time of recording, although Hearts could potentially jump over that on Wednesday evening. 
a big, big, big opportunity missed to extend a gap to the chasing pack with Hibbs losing at home to Ross County this evening. On the data front, possession 37% to the home side, 63% to Aberdeen. Total shots 8 to 25 for the visitors. Shots on target 3 to 10 and expected goals 1.29 for Livingston to 2.95 for the Dons. Gav, uh, your thoughts on that one? A laughably bad first half performance. Incredibly frustrating because I think the second half showed what we were capable of doing in this game. But it's all just too little too late. And, you know, to catch that result from Easter Road as well, you know, it's just um, reminds me all too well of of last season where it's a a missed opportunity. Um, Yeah, some really... Really shoddy, really poor performances from a number of players in that first half. And on another day, I think we could probably had enough to come back and get a draw or maybe even go on, get a win, but just didn't maybe get the, the break we needed in that second half. I mean, it's a great chance for, for Duke in the last 10 minutes to get an equalizer. Unfortunately, he reverts to a Michael Cox types finish. <laughs> That's a, a reference that nobody leading. on this list is going to get, but never mind. Well, me, you, and Graham will get it, and that's all that matters. Um, lean back. Uh, just, yeah. Incredibly frustrating, annoying. I, I feel there was some character shown in the second half because I was afraid going into the second half, you know, after we missed the penalty and we'd been so terrible that we'd just go on and capitulate and concede, you know, another four, maybe even five goal deficit on the road. But yeah, it was too little too late, and, you know, here we are. It's, um, we're third place, yeah, but if everything could be better than it is right now. Uh, Scott on Twitter has pointed out you've misspelt whiskey in your live tweeting, by the way. You've had a shocker there, Gav. Never mind. Um, that that reflects the amount of whiskey that's been drunk. There we go. Um, that first half, I mean, I tweeted at the time, for me, it, it, opening 30 minutes was worse than the performances at United and at Ibrox. Um, I was building up into severe anger modes. Um the last 50 minutes of the first half, we kind of at least decided to try and look like a team who'd actually played together before. Um, second half performance, I thought was, I actually thought the second half performance was okay in the whole. I mean, on another day, we'd probably score another couple of goals there. Um, all the damage is done in that first half, isn't it? It's, it's, it's all very well coming out and showing a bit of character and coming out and, and, and putting on a bit of performance when it's 2-0, but that, that, that opening 45, well, that opening 30 minutes in particular was just so, so bad. Where do you want to direct your ire because (laughs) (laughs) the thing i don't get the thing that really frustrates me most at the moment is that it goes back to the last away game as well and i know that people looked at us and said oh we're a bit over the top about the rangers result but similar to rangers you know we know what livingston are going to try and do to us right when you play livingston at uh, amonville especially they're going to make it a battle. You're going to have to win your battles. You, you don't have a divine right just to turn up and play football. You've got to win the battles. You've got to defend properly at set pieces. You've got to be willing to stand up to the challenge that they bring to you. And it's a physical challenge and there's nothing wrong with that. Is it the way I necessarily would want us to play football? No, it's not. But you've got to earn the right to play your football. And in that opening 30 minutes in particular, our defending, our lack of fight, our lack of belief in ourselves was just fucking terrifying and it was like we didn't it was like we got caught cold with it it's like you know this is going to come why do we look so fucking surprised by this 
well, to go through the Fuck first me. to go through the first 30 minutes or so or so sequentially i mean in the first five minutes i think we created one or two little chances but some of the play with the ball was so slack and so careless it was it beggared belief i think of, i can think of miofsky you know giving away the ball very cheaply uh some of the distribution from the back early doors um given the data we have in front of us about livingston and their tendency their willingness to sit off they pressed us high up the pitch that was clearly a plan yeah which you can clearly understand given how limited some of our players are at the back uh bruce anderson has clearly just copied the tony watt uh blueprint on how to play out in his shirt and then like you say i mean we we concede that first um that first set piece and there's so many opportunities to clear it yeah there's so many opportunities to deal with it in a more effective manner I think we're 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 quite a small team. I think in the grand scheme of things, we absolutely are compared to Livingston. But that's still you you can there's enough physical presence within our within our team to to be able to handle that in a more combative manner. So many chances to clear it, and then you know the effort to block the ball was terrible. And the, I mean, there's so many chances to clear it before the ball gets to roost. But in a moment when you need your keeper to come up and pull out a save it should do much better than that gets a big hand to it it should not be you know spinning back over his head into the net um unforgivable but it's like also six minutes has passed at that point game of football is a long time but we just looked yeah like say rattled um in the way that we did at Tannadice and the next 25 minutes or so anytime Livingston came at us anytime they pressed us we just looked like we were absolutely terrified and it was no surprise at all that then it comes from another set piece and you know, for my money, no complaints about the penalty at all. It's, um, I see, I have a complaint about it because I just think it's a silly rule, but I think by the strictest and I think by the strictest interpretation of the <sighs> laws of the game, it probably is a penalty kick. Uh, uh, to me, if you've got your hands covering your face and the ball hits your hands, you can't really complain about yeah, that. I know, but the ball hits him from about a yard away. It's like, anyway, which like, is even but, more impressive that he gets his hands up to it. Well, that's, that's true. Um, um, it was a soft ahead that as me obviously had that, at the fucking rebound off the penalty so I'm not that surprised it probably took about three days to travel that one yard and again it's like maybe I've just like got too used to having Joe Lewis in goal but when Joe Lewis was in goal for Aberdeen I always felt like penalty was a 50-50 shout and with Kel yeah. Lewis, it's like Kel Lewis has got the Jamie Langfield quality of just diving <laughs> really 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 early yeah giving the uh, the penalty taker just the option to like all right, he's gone that way. So just let's swap that down the middle. Um, and at that point, I feared the worst. I really did. They were making absolute mugs out of us. We did come back into the game. Um, I don't really quite know how. I don't know what Livingston did to let that happen. We started going a little bit more direct, perhaps. And But I mean, yeah, just, just an all-round atrocious, terrible. Create all the synonyms for those words and <laughs> fill them in this space. It was, yeah, it was, it was incredibly unacceptable. Like, what I don't understand with the goal, the first goal especially, is that, well, there's, there's so much about it I don't understand. I don't actually even understand how it gets to the point where there's a shot on target, let alone anything else. But then, you know, we praised Kel Roos um, after the game on Friday night because I think he he played well against Hibs and I think it was probably his best game for Aberdeen to date. And I just look at that and I go, it wasn't hit with any real venom, I didn't think. I didn't think it was hit with any real pace or there was it was it was kind of straight at him. Um, it was a decent height. He got down to it 
fine. There was no issues about him getting down there. And for it just to kind of spill up over the top of him, I'm just like, that's just inexcusable goalkeeping as, as, as far as I'm concerned. But you're right, there's so much other stuff that goes wrong before we get to that point. And at that point, the three corners that Livy had in quick succession after they scored the opener, it looked like we were going to concede a goal every single time the ball came in the box. We were <sighs> all over the fucking shop. The the um the point I was making, because um, poor Matilda, my my long-suffering girl, <laughs> she was watching this game with me. Um the play I kept making is like every time like so okay so Livingston are a big physical team accepted fact we're not the biggest team in the world in that situation for, for me you need your goalkeeper to be coming and taking as much as possible and dominating the penalty area and Livingston kept putting balls into our six yard box and every time I watched watch Kelrus statue that guy is going nowhere after Hibbs, when we're talking about how he's becoming more aggressive, showing more intent, yeah, just reverted back to, well, the reason why Derby fans used to call him Dracula. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. I, I don't, I don't understand it. Yeah, I, 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 like very, everyone very in the team, he just became incredibly timid, tentative, just like they didn't want to be anywhere near the ball. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely, and and it just got worse. That opening thirty minutes. I mean, Ross McCrory, Gav. Um, well, I mean, I feel like I've said this a lot recently, but that was Ross McCrory's worst performance in an Aberdeen shirt. That was really bad. I, I, I had, a, I had him as a stick down, a stick. What should I say? Stick on. <laughs> I, had, I had him as a stick on. Thank you. I've not even drinking tonight. I had him as a stick on to get sent off after about ten minutes. I think he got booked so early with, and I thought if you're Livingston, you just keep. Um, oh, and they did. Nubly or uh, Bahambula on him as much as you can and try and you know you're either going to rattle him so much he's just going to give the ball away which is also what happened or he's going to get sent off and I think it was probably I'm going to give Jim Goodwin some credit here actually because I think one thing I've suspected about Goodwin is that he may be a bit too loyal to certain players um, and maybe has like his favourites and he's maybe got a bit of a blind spot with him and I've always felt that Ross McCrory maybe sat in that box Um in fairness to Goodwin, he recognised that I think there was a really strong chance that McCrory was going to get sent off and he was having a shocker um, and hooked him at half-time for Matty Kennedy. So in fairness to him, he was at least um, recognising of the issue, to be honest. He could have hooked him after 30 minutes and I don't think anyone would have batted and I yelled about it. Um, up, but there we go. Um, I don't, don't, what else is there to talk about that first half? I mean, it was just so bad. I mean, they... well, well, I mean... The absence of any competition within the center of the park. Uh, I mean, I thought I thought Ramadani was dreadful tonight, and not the first time I've said that. It's not the first time I've watched Aberdeen play and get completely overrun and find myself looking at Ramadani and thinking, "What's he been doing tonight?" Connor Barron and Leighton Clarkson, I don't think were massively effective. But I saw more effort in trying to win the ball back and trying to create stuff. Uh, Ramadani was really poor tonight. I mean. Him, the front, the back three. Kelders makes a good save at the free kick. But beyond that, you know, I mean, I, I think he can definitely do better with the first goal. And I mean, I, 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 don't, even know, I don't even know what to go talk about really at this point. Um, Duke was good. I, I, th- I, thought, I thought the whole... Duke was th- good. Duke was good. I thought the whole midfield was actually pure first half until the the, the last 15 minutes. And then it looked like we, we finally got... Connor Barrow started to pick up pockets of space. And there was big wide gaps well, down. That's that was the, the point of the game. right hand flank because Bahambula just wouldn't track back. That was the point of the game when Connor Barron, to my, from what I could see, decided to do Ramanai's job for him, 
and dropped mm. back in deep to collect the ball from the center backs because Ramadan wasn't showing for it. Yeah, no, I I think there was a big issue in there because I think that I think Livy actually matched us up pretty well in the centre of the park. I think that I, I see I didn't I didn't think Baron came. I'm not defending Ramadan here, by the way. I didn't think he had a good first forty five at all. Um, but it felt to me that Baron started picking up pockets of space on the right hand side of the midfield, um, not on the flank, but within the right hand side, the kind of inside right almost. And there was big massive gaps down our down the Livingston right hand side because Bach and Bula just wouldn't track um, Mackenzie back. And there was lots of space for, for Barron to, to spray those kind of big, long crossfield passes in there. And suddenly we started to get some joy out of that. Um, that's where the opportunity for Miofsky, the header, kind of comes from. I think ultimately the penalty comes from initially a ball over that side. It eventually works its way back to Richardson on the right-hand flank, who then swings it in. Initially, I thought it was a great effort by um, Clarkson, but then it's when you see it back again, there's a massive handball on it from home. How Nick Walsh has missed that in real time. I mean, this is the other interesting thing about VAR. Nick Walsh has missed three, by the letter of the law, three stonewall penalty kicks tonight. He's missed every single one of them in real time. Yeah, I mean, Jason Holt's one is definitely the most blatant. I no, think I if you're think watching it. Barron's is pretty obvious. I, I can't remember exactly where... Nick Walsh is in relation to Connor Barron at that point, so I can't comment on that exactly. Okay. But and I mean the penalty He's with, right uh, at Fitzwater. with 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 Fitzwater. It's like, uh, why am I trying to defend Nick Walsh? I don't know. Let's just um, let's just go down the fact that uh, it highlights how rank rotten refereeing in Scotland is. That this stuff was getting missed. But who is Andrew Dallas with VAR? Andrew Dallas. So Andrew <laughs> yeah. Dallas has done a has done a, a bang up job tonight. Let's give credit to uh, Andrew Hugh Dallas, Dallas Junior. Andrew Dallas was VAR for our first game with was the VAR for our first game with VAR, wasn't it? He was the he was the VAR at Fair Park. He was the one who allowed us to get the goal, the Miofsky chip, because that had been ruled out already for offside. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe Dallas Jr.'s a closet sheep shagger. You never can. You never can. But um, it does it, it, the VAR is nothing else. It's highlighting the fact that our standard of refereeing in terms of picking stuff up on the park. It's fucking appalling. Uh, to, to my mind so far, I mean, uh, apart from one incident that happens later in the second half, um, it is doing its job as far as it's getting the decisions correct. Ultimately. <laughs> yeah, we, we, time, didn't need, so. we didn't need VAR to remind us that referees in Scotland are fucking honking. No, but it's really highlighting it though, isn't it? <laughs> like, he's missed three. He's missed three, for fuck's sake, tonight. It's unbelievable. Anyway. What I also don't understand is with the Jason Holt one, how he like goes to the screen and takes so long. I know. I, I, I don't know. I need 10 viewings of this ball hitting this guy's hand to clarify in my own mind that, yes, yeah. this might be an offence. Poor penalty by Miofsky. Um I had a really crazy sense of deja vu with that penalty. Yeah, I know what you mean. I'm sure it's, I, I was like, I'm sure I've seen this before. <laughs> and then the follow-up header was 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 poor as well. Not not Miofsky's finest ninety minutes. Um, um yeah, it, it, remi- shirt tonight. It, it reminded me of. <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to say this. It reminded me of Messi's penalty against Man City all those years ago. Well, there we when go, Joe Hart saves it, and then it's a diving header that goes wide. Yeah, yeah. Um, if he just takes a second, the ball drops down, and he can just smash it into the back of the net. If he really wanted to, he could just nod it two yards to his left hand side, and he's taken out. If he really wanted to do, he could have just scored the penalty. Well, that's also true. Um, I think that do you think that'll be him off. I mean, I know he was off pens for the second half, but do you think that might be him off pens now for the 
foreseeable now that Duke's scored one. I mean, that's Miofsky missed two. I know there's some guy on Twitter, I don't know who, who you are, mate, um, claiming that we were defending Ramirez for X amount of time. <laughs> that definitely wasn't us. I think you've got a wrong spy. <laughs> um, fake news right there. Um, saying that he'd only missed one and he didn't miss one. He did miss a penalty against Hibbs. Um, yes, Marshall was about three yards off his line, but if Marshall had stayed on his line, he would have saved that penalty anyway because it was a terrible penalty kick. Um, so for me, it, it, it Duke's got the ball now, hasn't he? So if it's in our pen, it's got yeah. to be. Yeah, absolutely. If if, if um it's got to be Duke. If Duke's not on the pitch, I'd be in favour of someone like Leighton Clarkson. who has got great technique striking a ball. Um, yeah, Miofsky's got to sit this one out for. Connor Barron was pen taken as well. I think for the 18s and stuff as well. So I um, did not uh, realize that, but someone pointed out that I think he scored a hat trick of penalties against Celtic one time. So who do you uh, think he is? Paul Hartley. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think we've been blessed with pretty deadly penalty takers over the last few years, but um, Miofsky, maybe not quite so much now. Weird as well, because like his first couple of pens for us were like ridiculously emphatic, and the last couple have been like, if you dive the right way as a keeper, you're probably saving that. Um, which also seems weird, because it's not like he's bereft of, or shouldn't be bereft of confidence, because he's been scoring goals. Um, I tuned in to um, the Ali Beg preview, and he did point out that Miofsky has only scored one goal away from home this year. Yeah, that's true. So it does make you wonder if there's like if there's Petodri Miofsky and on the road Miofsky, um, that the two don't correlate. The but situation do they just correlate because we've generally been horseshit on the road. <laughs> um, I mean, to be fair, Boyan's now missed his fair share of very, 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 very good chances. Yeah, away from home. So bad anyway. day, bad day at the office for. Our Macedonian superstar. Not his best, but let's not chuck the baby out with the bathwater. I see, again, there's a whole bunch of people tonight on Twitter just like going a, a bit over the top about Miofsky, it's fair to say. Um, second half, way better. Matt Kennedy came on. Um, we moved to the four at the back. Uh, it was kind of 4-2-3, 1-4-3-3. Fucking Abdi up top and not have to worry too much at the back because Livingston just decided to sit in, which is what we initially thought. Well, I, th- we I think we anyway. made Livingston sit in. I would did, but I think they were comfortable. They were 2 0 up, and it was a case of coming and try and break us down if you can. Um, better. It's going to be interesting to see what we do with the shape now on Saturday because, yeah, it, does this mean we're back to 4 2 3 1, 4 3 3? That means the wingers might get a look, look in again. Um, and we're back. I saw somebody tonight. We need to bend the three, five, two, the three, or the five at the back because we need to tighten up and go to four. It's like, well, the reason we moved to three was to tighten up because we were horseshit with four. So, um, if you're asking me now, on merit, there's no way Ross McCrory can start against no, United. I wouldn't have said so. Do I expect Ross McCrory to start against United? Probably. Well, that does become an interesting test, doesn't it? About what I just spoke about earlier on. It's all very well taking McCrory out because you think he's a liability and he's going to get sent off or something. McCrory's not been great for weeks now. Um, he's been terrible since Tannadice. Uh, well, including Tannadice. <laughs> and, uh, and since and including, yes. Yes, there we go. Um, it, it is a test there, isn't it? To say, does he take him out completely? Um, um, the the, I mean, I guess then that's that's then the test of, you know, do we go to Tannadice playing? No, sorry. Do we go to Patology against United and play more or less the same system we played against United? <laughs> at Tannadice that led to us moving to three at the back. <laughs> yeah, which led to a 4-0 scudding off the fact of Tony Watt just made <laughs> Andy Strutt look like an absolute mug for 90 minutes. Um, I would expect that we will probably still see Ross McCorry 
and I'm not going to say that's the right thing or not. I think you're probably right, to be honest. Um, it was interesting shape-wise because we highlighted it in the preview um, that, that Livy had gone with that kind of 4-3-1-2, 4 played with two up top. I can't tell if they're number, se- number, number 10, 7. Who the guy that wears Moyo on the back of his shirt. Oh, Bahambula. I can't tell if we just made him look like one or he is one, but he looked like an absolute baller tonight. Well, he looked all right going forward. <laughs> he did nothing going backwards. Um, Not important when you do that kind of work. Yeah, true. Um, but it's it, it it's exactly what we highlighted, that that could, cause a, that could have posed the 3-5-2 shape a problem with the two up top. I mean, this is not retrospective chat, and I'm not saying that Bruce Anderson ever was the answer, Aberdeen, but we traded that guy for Jet. Yeah, I mean, somebody did point out, no, we didn't, because he turned down a deal, but the point still stands, we traded in... Effectively, we traded him. We traded in money for him, because Livy would have had to pay us money to get Bruce Um, Anderson. He has become... And we waived it to get Jet in the door. In a way that I never would have foreseen, he has become a pretty well-rounded number nine as far as like hold up play for a guy of his size and what you can do with link up it's not so i would have ever foreseen bruce anderson being capable of i still think there's still the same issue with bruce anderson that was here when he was at aberdeen that he needs to play in a two. Oh yeah well i would i would agree but even still he's capable of coming deep yeah, and yeah, yeah. linking up and he wouldn't be a terrible option off the bench for us put it that way i mean he's not the answer but i wouldn't if he was around and he was a, a squad player, I, I would be okay with Bruce Anderson there. There, I've said it. Um, fight me. <laughs> oh, I would have rather had him than Jet last year. Well, that's well. <laughs> well, again, that's that is what the trade was. So. Yeah, exactly. Because we were all about the youth last year. Uh, yeah, <laughs> second half better, but better. Yeah, too little, too late. Did you ever really feel we were actually going to score? I did actually. Did you? Yeah. I had that nagging feeling. I think after you know the Duke header that goes that you think is in. And I know how did how did that swerve past the post? I'm not entirely sure. Um, I feel like the laws of physics were just altered all of a sudden. That's Duke for you, clearly. <laughs> um, I felt when that went past the post, I was like, yeah, I, I have a funny feeling there's gonna be a lot of huffing and puffing here, and it's not gonna happen. And um, so it came to pass. There's not really much else to say about it, is it? I mean, should we have seen, maybe seen Ramirez on? Earlier, a bit of a bold move taking Stuart off for Ramirez. Um, I say bold move. I mean, there was only seven minutes left and we were chasing the game, uh, so it's not that bold. Um, I mean, he made... Uh, I mean, first of all, we also all get the penalty and Duke puts it away with sheer power. Um, that's the only reason it goes past the keeper. Um, and I, at that point, I did think that we were going to... I actually did feel we were going to make this happen because maybe it's just what Owen chatted about with us on the in the preview that Livingston... When they play Aberdeen, they tend to play well for spells in the game, and then they just contrive to find a way to to fuck it up. And a two-two draw would have been, on the basis of the thirty initial minutes, would have been entirely undeserved, but would have taken it. Make no mistake about it. Um, Ramirez, he made a positive impact on the game. Um, did potentially create two opportunities for for Duke to score the ball in for the second chances. You know something I would not have expected from Ramirez and uh, I mean listen I, I don't expect again that Jim Goodwin will change from the Miofsky duke partnership um, or at least having Duke close to Miofsky against yeah. United but I think Ramirez has definitely played his way into 
into the manager's thinking because yeah, I think he did actually. I think he did actually pretty well. Yeah, uh, interesting. It'll be interesting what he does. I mean, who knows? I kind of feel that Goodwin has made his um, has made his bed on the Ramirez thing. Um, and I might listen. I can't, I can't help but feel that if he had, then we would have seen um, Alfie Howe and Babbage come onto the field tonight. Yeah, maybe, but I guess maybe they thought it's just not the time to 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 throw a, a young lad in. Um, I don't know. Who knows? I'm still not entirely convinced on the Ramirez thing. Anyway, after what we saw at Tanner this that day, I'm just past the point of being bothered by that um, individual well, playing I mean, for Aberdeen any longer. He is, so. uh, he is still here until January. So yes, um, indeed. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see what we'll see what happens against United on on Saturday. Indeed, we will. Um, that seems like enough for me, Gav. I think in terms. Of I think we need to nominate about... a top don, don't we? Top Don, yeah, I think so. I mean, we uh, we put it out. I, I put it out to the, the the solar system via the the twits earlier on, um, and then people pointed out that they wanted Connor Barron included, so we took that took the Duke option off and put Barron in, and then the people have spoken again, and it's a resounding victory for Duke. So that was a waste of time. Um, <laughs> Duke's my man of the match. It can't be anyone else. He was the only guy I felt can try to drive us forward in the first half. Uh, second half, it felt like a lot of the the good stuff we were doing was coming through Duke as well. He got us up the park quickly, got the penalty, um, missed a couple of chances he probably should do better with. Uh, but yeah, I, the only real bark of evenings is Duke, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Duke, for me, um, our sole attacking threat over the course of 90 minutes worked. Worked tirelessly, uh, out of possession to try and win the ball back. Um, I thought Connor Barron was very, very good. Um, once we kind of got a hold of the ball, and he was probably the one player in midfield that was trying to make things work, trying to make things happen for us. Also got booked for basically being like assaulted, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah, I did. I didn't quite. I was almost like he must have said something to the referee after that. That couldn't possibly have been what the yellow card was for. Um, but yeah, I thought Conor Brown was good. Um, I thought Liam Clarkson tried things, tried to make things happen. Uh, but it's, it's slim pickings as far as top dons go. And yeah, Duke for me. Okay, I think that does a scav for just now. And that'll wrap up part one, I guess, of this episode 70, the second episode of the week of the ABZ Football Podcast. Join us on the other side as we'll preview Saturday's visit of Dundee United to Pataudry under the lights alongside Ronnie from the Dode Fox podcast. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. And yes, it's that time of the year where we need to talk about Christmas. Book your Christmas night out at Siberia Bar and Hotel, who are offering area hire, buffet platters and a welcome drink for as little as £30 per person. And it all kicks off from the 1st of November. Book early to avoid disappointment contact scott at siberia-aberdeen.com that's scott at siberia-aberdeen.com for more details Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to talking about Dungeon United on Saturday, just a shout out again to those of you who've made contributions to the Beer and Coffee Fund. Um, if you'd like to help us keep fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi 
Com forward slash ABZ football podcast. The link is in the description. Uh, shout us a beer or a coffee, it is absolutely much appreciated and helps us keep on going to keep on going. Gav, you've got your bottle of whiskey there. I mean, beers, coffees, or whiskey. Absolutely. Um, let's turn our attention to Saturday night, shall we? Dundee United's uh, traveling to the home of football last game before the World Cup break. The mirror image of the fixture at Tannadice. Exactly. Uh, what we 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 have never spoken about this, Gav. Before we move on to United, what's your thoughts about the World Cup? About, I, the, World, I, I, about the World Cup. Yeah, I saw a take the other day about how this is going to be like the worst World Cup in living memory, and I'm like, well, there's there's all the stuff, right? There's a lot of stuff. There's all the stuff that surrounds the location and everything about it. But what happens if the football is amazing? Um, it's. I don't, I've not got the feeling that this is a World Cup. No, neither have I. It's totally snuck up and it just doesn't feel like it's a World Cup at all. Um, And I mean, maybe I'd be more invested if Scotland were involved, but obviously we're not. So it feels to me like it's just a massive pain in the arse. Yeah. Because it's going to mean that um, Aberdeen are not going to be playing for a month and we're going to have to like really just like scramble for content for, for the hashtag content <laughs> on the selfish perspective Scot- it's shit because if of this Scotland reason. if Scotland were there we could just like become a de facto Scottish football podcast we could and talk about that but again we're not could we, um, could we become a de facto World Cup podcast uh, probably not we could just laugh at England hopefully I mean do you want to be coming on here talking about Qatar versus Ecuador opening game big one uh, a barn burn a main event in any town <laughs> a part burner Australia with Jason Cummings leading the line against France uh, yeah Martin Boyle and his hair transplant straight from Istanbul um, I don't have any feelings about it no I, I, I just I, I have lots of feelings about the stuff I have lots yeah I have lots of feelings about the stuff and the stuff has been provocated by the um, the faux human rights um, PR move that um, the brewery out in Ellen have pulled the last couple of days yeah sensational uh, which stuff. is uh which is just incredible stuff by the way it is, um, it really is. jimmy what honestly what the fuck is going on through your head I, I, yeah i'd like to, I'll, I'll i will i will watch it i will because it's the world cup and it's you know it's the it's kind of like you know the the grandest stage of them all it's not in wrestlemania football. gavin in football <laughs> it's, it's the wrestlemania of football <laughs> but um it's the super bowl of football it's the Super Bowl of it's football. It's the Super Bowl of soccer. Um, but I, I, yeah, I just don't feel any, I don't have any real feelings about it at all. I, I hope Argentina win because I want Messi to win the World Cup. It's so but, bad. I can't even tell you what teams are there. But like, beyond that, I have no real feelings. And obviously I just don't want anyone to win. So uh, yeah, beyond that, um, yeah, I'll be a pretty, I think I'll be a pretty passive spectator. Yeah, indeed. Anyway, there, there we go. That was a, a nice tangent. Um, so before we hit the World Cup break, obviously the Dons are in action in Atlanta. Um, we'll get to see what Ronnie Hernandez is made of. Um, is he not still injured? Ah, fucking probably. I suspect that Atlanta will probably field a bit of a reserve side. I imagine all their players will be on holiday. Holidays maybe, and stuff like that. maybe they'll like make it like total pure testimony. Like you know how like Lee Griffiths is playing in this like Hibs Legends game. Easy. I didn't know this. Maybe they'll like go like proper like nostalgia. They'll bring Stephen Glass back for like a game. Well, play forty five minutes for yeah. Aberdeen and forty five minutes for Atlanta. No, no, he'll just coach like Atlanta two. 
get Jack, get Jack, <laughs> Jack Gerber back in Jack the mix. Back. Excellent. Um, I think we've got some spies, haven't we? Going to the going to the game, I, I think was going to happen. Um, I need to go and look back at the the, the messages. I'm sure we had some spies who were going to go. So we might be able to do a review of, of us playing Atlanta in a friendly match. Who knows? Um, I saw that the I saw that Sevco were playing the Leverkusen by Leverkusen in a friendly match. Um, clearly, obviously, just try to get some cash in the door for a big payoff. I imagine um, big big hole in the old budget coming up. Down Sevco way soon. Anyway, let's let's move on to talk about Dundee United on it's Saturday. Okay. It's okay. Stephen Gerrard's not doing much these days. True. If we're going to talk about big holes in budgets, it seems appropriate to talk about Dundee United with their 133% wages to turnover or whatever it was that Tony Ashcar was talking about. Um, now, we've got the tricky bit here because we're recording this now in the direct aftermath of the Livingston game on Tuesday evening. If you um, couldn't tell. Yeah. <laughs> United play Kilmarnock on Wednesday night. Um, so as we currently stand, um, especially because Ross County picked up a win at Easter Road tonight, United are bottom of the table. What are you laughing at, Gab? Just laughing at I, Hibs. I, I, just, I remember, because of course we recorded our show on Saturday, episode 69, and at that point Ross County were losing to St. Sure. Mirren. And yeah. I, believe I, I believe I mentioned that it's not going very well for Ross County. Since then, 100% record. There you go. Absolutely. Um, so as things stand at this moment in time, United are bottom of the table on nine points. Ross County have opened up a six-point gap on them now, um, which I'm sure the uh, Dingwallians will be delighted with. They play Celtic away on at the weekend. It's a funny old game because now I now think that Ross County are part of the glob. The glob, yeah, they kind of are. Um, seven points between third and tenth now. Yeah, and, if, and it's Kilmarnock United on Wednesday night. So this episode will probably go out, I imagine, either when United Kilmarnock is on or has just finished or possibly the morning after. No pressure, Gavin. No pressure at all. Um, and depending how that goes, like the whole thing looks very, very different. It kind of feels like it was just yesterday we were talking about the preview for the game at Tanadice, doesn't it? Yes. Um, and it feels like very little's changed <laughs> because here United, again, who knows what happens Wednesday night, but let's just say for argument's sake, there's still... No matter what happens, they will still be bottom of the table unless they scud. Well, if they win 3 0, for off. three or four. Yeah. Um, yeah, if they score three. So I was, I was trying to do the maths. Sorry. Um, you, you had a moment on maths on episode 69, and I've just had one there as well. Anyway, but let's just say, for argument's sake, they are, they are still bottom of the table when they arrive at Pathology on Saturday. And, and how did that go for us at, at, at the start of October? Remind me. <laughs> um, I believe we travelled to Dundee with a relative level of expectation and then we left with 20 minutes to go excellent yes uh, we gift wrapped three points to the Arabs in the uh, most spectacular fashions our teammate Craig Sibble looked like a primed Patrick Vieira yes indeed what about Craig Sibble's hair at the weekend I think about that. I have not got a clue what you're talking about have you not seen it go and no. look it up just now um, go and look up Craig Sibble's hair Celtic I'm sure you'll find it uh, so of course we uh, ship for has, like, has, has it got like green hoops in it? No, just have a look. Just have a look. Um, we gift wrapped them three points, a four and a win for their first win of the season. They followed that up with a win against Hibs. That's not that spectacular. Though everybody beats Hibs, it turns out, and no wins in their last five running up to the match against Kilmarnock on Wednesday night, and that also included them being knocked out of the League Cup by Kilmarnock. 
three defeats on the spin coming into this game on 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 Wednesday evening for them. Uh, they had a four-two defeat at Parkhead on Saturday, which was. Uh, we'll touch on it with Ronnie from the Dode Fox podcast later. Uh, a shitting of the bed of Aberdeen proportions by getting themselves to 2-2 with a few minutes left. They've only scored 13 goals in their 14 league games so far. And remember, four of them came against us. Top goal scorer currently jointly held between Tony Watt and Stephen Fletcher. Uh, they've scored 13 with an expected goals of 12.6. So Gav, you like that. That, that matches up nicely. Oh yeah, that's very satisfying. Yeah. Excellent, there we go. 30 goals conceded in the league so far. Uh, <laughs> an average of just over two per game, which is the worst record in the league. There's a surprise with an expected goals against of 24.5. So what does that say, Gav? It means they're shit. <laughs> it certainly means that their goalkeepers are not maybe doing particularly well. I'm very, very elated to have learned at the weekend they've brought the shit Australian goalkeeper back into the fold. Yes, they did. They brought him back in. We'll touch on it with Ronnie later on. Watch this. Um, He'll ship like five against Kilmarnock and we'll bring the other guy back in. Yeah, well, we'll touch on this one with Ronnie in, in, in the preview in a minute or two. So it's fair to say that um, neither Mark Birgatti, I think it's Birgatti, or Carl Johan Eriksson, neither of them have really impressed the United faithful at all. In terms of style of play, nothing has really changed since when we played them in October. Um, they totally remain a side now who look to keep a hold of the ball. Um, they're fifth in the table in terms of possession. They're fourth on the table in terms of the number of 10-plus passing sequences they've put together. They're not moving the ball at the park particularly quickly. They sit sixth in the league in terms of direct speed. They move it at 1.59 metres per second. They're the lowest pressing team in the league as well. And we saw this in action at Tannadice where they sat extremely deep, very compact inside their own half and basically told us to to come at them. Um, they only really seemed to break the lines when they felt that they had an opportunity to maybe put some pressure on the weaker ball players, um, which made for... A, <laughs> I wonder who they are. Yeah, which made for an extremely uncomfortable evening for Anthony Stewart, it's fair to say, who yep. was often being left with the ball at his feet with no one to pass to and United kind of just went man-to-man marking in the midfield areas and, and left them to it. So their PPDA, Gav, Graham's not here for me to click my fingers at like I say, you need to come up with more acronyms at us. Passes per defensive action. Yeah, there we go. A 15 um, is the lowest in the league. It's kind of borne out in their zones of control as well. Uh, the graphics there. I'll tweet the graphic out on the Twitter page when this goes out at ABZ Podcast. Again, the red zones are the zones that the opposition team control with more than 50% of the touches. Blue zones are the ones that United control. Uh, they're shooting from left to right here, I should point out. And the grey zones are... Otherwise, it looks like they're just dominating the opposition penalty box and nowhere else. Um, and the grey zones are 50-50 zones. So you can kind of see exactly what they're doing. Nothing much has changed in terms of style of play since we played them. I had a quick check between the two data sets and nothing else has really changed. So Gav, your thoughts about um, the return of Saturday night football um, to Pataudry? I'm staggered that you've not included a particular piece of uh, information that's come out in this week regarding Dundee United and their coaching staff. Oh, about Charlie Mulgrew. Charlie Mulgrew is joining as first team coach. I thought they might have put him in charge of the youth academy, seeing he has a lot of experience about neglecting children. Allegedly. I don't think we need to put allegedly in that. I think that happened. Is that Alexa again? Alexa's interjected for the second episode in a row. Alexa, stop. We are Alexa, nothing. Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. 
We are. Well, if I, I will cut out. this to prevent that from actually killing everyone else's Alexas and stop them listening to our podcast. <laughs> what the fuck? Um, yeah, but that was Michelle. That was Michelle Moon, though, wasn't it? And she's like probably a worse human being than Charlie Muldrow. What was Michelle Moon involved in here? I don't. Well, she's the one that reported him. Oh, that makes it so much more hilarious. I completely forgot about that. And I mean, like, to be fair, like, Charlie Moon is a shit defender, but like, Michelle Moon's just a terrible human being. So she is a terrible human being. Um, Let's quickly double check this. Is she a big racist? I think she uh, is. Isn't I she? can't. I can neither confirm nor deny, but yeah, yeah. The Met police are currently Michelle Moon raised the alarm for spotting two-year-old Josh in the car outside the Costco store in St. Rolex, Glasgow. Yeah, here we go as well. Tory Pierre Michelle Moon settles a libel claim for more than £50,000 in relation to an alleged racist claim. Um, the parties confirming that no, they'd settled their differences with no fault or damages. So she just paid that fifty grand for the hell of it. Apparently. Sorry, I forgot we should be referring to her by her title. It's Baroness. Michelle. Oh, yes, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, where were we? Charlie uh, so Charlie Mulgrew's influence on the first team at Dundee United. Hopefully it's just like in the defensive areas and nothing else. Does this mean he's done, do we think? He's combining it with his playing duties, but as Ronnie pointed out, he is 36 and has not kicked a ball for many, many a month now. So I suspect that he is winding down on the left-footed, free-kick-taking Aberdeen scoring against career <laughs> that he's had. Well, there we go. Um, and what a career it's been. Um, to be fair, more than I expected when he was playing <laughs> left-back for Aberdeen. Yeah, true. Uh, was he? He was part of the Sigma Olmos game, wasn't he? he? He played that. Yeah, he did. He scored yeah, he, against um, at home. Yeah. I think he. Yeah, because he scored the free kick. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Forever in our hearts. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Thoughts on? He United doesn't give weekend. a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. He didn't his give a fuck. His name is Charlie Muldrew. His name is John Muldrew. United at Pataki. Yes. Um, yes. <sighs> Thanks, Gav. Let's try and bring this back on track. I, l- I love that earlier on you said let's try and keep this short, and sweet, and condensed. I know, I've got work in like five hours time. And here um, we are. <laughs> the things that happen when Aberdeen have lost and booze is involved. United at Pataudry. Um The thing that I'm taking right now as a, a crumb of comfort is that we are a completely different animal at home than we are on the road. United had, for themselves, a great win against us at, at Hanadice. They then doubled down on that with a win at against Hibs at Tannadice and you think that Liam Fox has maybe you know found the uh, found the formula to make United an effective team that I mean for me when I looked at their summer business I thought United would would do not bad this year I thought they'd recruited pretty well and built a, a half decent team since then obviously they've lost to Kilmarnock in the cup and I think they've lost their last three games in the league so the going into the game on Wednesday night we need to going into a new that. game and they're away to play Kilmarnock on yep. Wednesday evening. Derek McInnes, generally speaking, had a pretty good record against United. Um, sometimes managers should have that against opposition sides. See what happens there. But, you know, there hasn't been the big bounce that you'd expect. And as you say, they are, as we record right now, bottom of the league. I think they will come and play in a different manner. I think they'll try and be a little bit more, you know, they should just come and play the exact same way they did at Tanneris against us. Yeah. But I think there'll be an inherent um, conservatism on the road to try and just kind of keep things tight. And when that happens, I do think we've got 
a team that can put teams under pressure and United at the back are not great as we've seen from their uh, their goals against charts yeah. and they've got a very 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 dodgy goalkeeper between the sticks no matter so, which one they put in no matter I mean I do think the way Ericsson's better so I'm surprised they've gone with the boy um, Berrigetti Ber- I don't know crapped on the United goalkeeper version one um Bearing in mind, like, if you're an United fan, like, they let, I'll say they let Seagrass go. I mean, Seagrass ran his contract down and left. And they had an option to probably pick up, like, I don't know, Sander Clark or somebody like that. And they've ended up with these two jokers. I'm saying um, this now, you know what will happen on Saturday. Oh, yeah, I'll be, like, watching Buffon in his prime <laughs> and not in the Aberdeen goal. Um, I'm comforted, as I say, by the fact that we're a much better team at home than we are on the road. And we have, generally speaking, reacted well to bad results on the road. Livingston at the Tony Mac was one of those. But I do think we'll get that uh, recovery back and we will take this game and finish the campaign with, with 25 points. Where that'll be, where that'll finish leave us. Campaign. <laughs> finish the first half of the campaign with 25 points. Where that will leave us, I'm not quite sure. Because I think Hearts will probably win on Wednesday evening. And then it becomes, you know... You think Hearts will win at Ibrox on Wednesday evening? Yes. Oof. Uh, I, I I get the impression that there'll be dropped points significant enough that um, Van Bronckhorst will be away before the World Cup. Interesting. Interesting. I don't see... Again, I'm saying that. I don't see Hearts winning at Ibrox. Um, I could see Livingston actually going to Tynecastle as well at the weekend on Saturday and actually doing a job and, and picking up maybe a point or so as well. So I, th- I still think there's an opportunity for us to go into the... World Cup break with a bit of daylight between us and somebody else, but we will we will wait and see on that one. Um, did you give me a prediction, Gav, or did you just say we'll win? I think I said we will we will win. Um, because we don't keep clean sheets, Jamie McGrath will score because of course he will. Natch. Um, Aberdeen will win this game about two goals to one. I'm gonna go um, again because we don't keep clean sheets. Um, I'm gonna go Aberdeen four, United one. We'll keep up our record of scoring like a ludicrous number of goals at home. Um, but still being absolutely pish on the road and that will continue for the rest of the season is my prediction as well but never mind there we go anyway as per usual that's our thoughts but we uh, took the time to speak to somebody who watches Dungeon United a lot more than we do poor so, bastard <laughs> so we caught up with uh, Ronnie Costello from the Dode Fox podcast Ronnie Costello from the Dode Fox podcast welcome to the ABZ how's it going mate? yeah well it's all right, personally. My football team, well, this is, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. <laughs> but listen, thanks for having us on. No, I'm, listen, the um, the privilege is all ours. Obviously, we tried to get it set up for the last game. We just couldn't make it work Couldn't make it work for whatever reason. Um, so it's good to be able to get it done quite quickly again. Now, this is the tricky thing, because also we're recording this on a Sunday evening. So obviously both teams are in action in the midweek before the game on Saturday. So we're kind of having to do a little bit of Nostradamus stuff and kind of try and figure out what happens during the week before we get to Saturday. But um, yeah, obviously last game for both teams going into the World Cup break. Um, when this goes out, we will know what's happened between both of our sides in terms of the uh, the midweek fixtures. But I presume from United's perspective, it's just got to be a case of trying to look for six points, I guess, out of these two games to try and, like, I don't know, try and pull yourselves out of trouble, build a bit of momentum going into that break. Yeah, I mean, we 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 recorded on a Sunday, Sunday afternoon. So obviously, it was looking back at uh, the game against Celtic, which 
you know, I hate the, I hate the term like free hit and all that yeah. nonsense. But won't define our season and all that. Yeah, shit, yeah, but when you're bottom of the league, it, you know, it's like everything's a free hit just now. You know, because <laughs> we're no expecting anything. It seems, but you know, and to, to, to sort of go to go a goal down to a goal that I've seen six times at the last ten goals. I think United have conceded um, an easy ball in, inside the channel. A scluffed, you know, not even a good connection for Jota, who arguably for me is the best player in Scotland, but still, he has an off day. Still lands right at the feet of Haksabanovic, and you're 1-0 doing after six minutes, and after getting nine the last time you played them, you just thought, this could be grim. Yeah. But they dug in, far six and two threes. I thought, I thought when I seen it, and I've seen, and everything looks worse when you slow it down. Everything looks worse than a still picture. Um, I wasn't sure when I saw it in real time, then I seen it back what they would have seen. I thought it was a penalty. You're one all, you're thinking, hey, you might be doing all right. And then, you know, you you, you concede again. Uh, the goalkeeper's got popped with on wrists, and then you're going into a half just thinking, well, we're no six no hand in, we're no four no hand in. You're thinking, oh, you might get something. And then, arguably, the second half came into the game a bit, made some good substitutions. Again, you argue, how did they not start and stuff like that? So, 4 2. Does it flatter Celtic? It probably doesn't. But at the same time, it was hard to take when you equalise with three minutes to go. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, I like we just touched on it before we started and I tweeted out at the time yesterday that that was like shit in the bed of Aberdeen proportions by United that yesterday to get to 2-2 and then end up losing the game 4-2 yeah. with a few minutes to go. I mean, how many times have I seen Aberdeen do that in the same situation? Is It's terrifying. And um, it's just what's happened this season. Like, it's... <laughs> When we spoke I to, I can't remember. We spoke to, I can't remember the boy's name there, but from the kind of beer punk rock football be Dave. podcast, it'd be Dave. Yeah. That's right, it was Dave. You know, and he just couldn't quite figure out exactly where it was all going wrong. This is before the game, where obviously then you pump us for four, going on six or seven. Um, but from your perspective, just what's what's going wrong this season? I think that I think Tom Coates deserved another season. I think for me, if it wasn't a great sometimes, but I think he deserved it. I think when it comes down to achieving objectives and people can argue to the blue in the face Aberdeen on a shite season Hibs had a terrible season somebody had to finish fourth I'm glad yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, that's what comes yeah. to now so I think on that he, I think he deserves it obviously I think from what I've led to believe is um, his agent was flirting with any club that would listen since about Easter so I don't think I think he obviously maybe thought he was set for bigger and better things off he went and then the officer's name's come out, and Jack Ross' name just it just stands out on any list. It stood out in the list that was there. There was a lot of the same names. And you just thought, well, he's not got a job just now. He's turned down a couple of jobs. You're thinking, overall, over the spell of his time at Hibs, played good football. Sunderland, good football. Sunderland, good football. Went in a bad times in some of them. But anyway, you're thinking that should be the appointment. And then we start one all down at uh, Kilmarnock, the last kick of the game. Like last kick of the ball, yeah. You know, it'll, it'll be a returning free. It'll be a returning theme here, but it's a cross in the box, and it's just horrendous. And then from there, I just you know, it just didn't get really much. Although we then beat Alkmaar at Tanadice, and it was brilliant. It was like this is amazing. This will be class. And then Livingston rocked up on the Sunday. Got, we got B one 0 and you're thinking European hangover, of course it is. But then go Alkmaar and get absolutely pumped. Thinking this will be the worst of the season. No, it wasn't. Then Hearts beat us, and then Simon beat us at home, and then Celtic gave a nine. Thinking, what's going on here? But then beat Livingston in the cup, and you think, well, we've got to the end of August, it might be all right. 
it was just I, I, I didn't see I would be surprised if Jack Ross would have survived it. I was going to say, should should he have stayed in? I mean, the 9-0 is what killed him, wasn't it, really? It's hard to recover from a 9-0. It doesn't matter what, what time of no. season it's at. No, I mean, you've, you've been beat 9-0, 3-0, 4-1, and 7-0, and 1-0, all in the space of three weeks. Yeah. It's hard to argue. And then, you know, uh, um, Liam Fox comes in, temporary or caretaker, call it what you will, but... I was as shocked as the world when he got it, put it that way. And, <laughs> you know, and he, yeah, okay, we get through against Livingston, the cup, fair enough. We get a draw at Motherwell. I was actually at that game. That was away. And you know what? It was one of those games that you went, we've no been beat, we've kept a shot out, and we've got a point away from home. Which, nine times out of ten, if you if you could draw every away game in the season, you'd be quite happy with that, <laughs> you know, up and down away form. And you thought that was it. They then go to Ibrox. Dead unlucky, could beat 2-1. But you thought, well, there's a bit of a turn there. And, yeah. the, and the next three games that we previewed in the podcast was St. Johnston at home, Aberdeen at home, Hibs at home. Right, lads. We need to start with three points against St. Johnston to give us a fighting chance against an Aberdeen team that are flying and a Hibs team that have, have been a bit up and down, but are, are playing pretty well. Yeah. We then, you know, could beat St. Johnston 2-1. And you're thinking, I'm kind of see this going. And the direct quote for Paul that I do the podcast where was, we're not going to score four goals in a game. And obviously, your boys rock up and we just, no bother. This is it's, easy. It's, what, it's is... what we do. If you need, <laughs> if you're a team in desperate need of a goal at home, a win, uh, Aberdeen, come on down. Yeah. And it was, I was speaking to the guys from DUTV, uh, who are in uh, our club stuff. And I was saying to them, like, I never realized how bad Aberdeen's away form was because that's not for me, really. Be. I mean, you think I would know these things, but. I was probably just going in hope more than any expectation. And then you win a game 4 0 and on the back it with MB Hibs, and you're thinking, you know, this, this you could be a this could yeah. be good. You know, the Liam Fox era is underway. This is all right. <laughs> Said Since nobody then, ever. <laughs> we've, we've picked a point up. Uh we've got a point against Ross County. When again at the end of that week, when you've won two and got a point again away from home, I'm thinking seven yeah. points to a nine, that's pretty good. And then Kilmarnock put us out of the cup devastating you know one game for Hamden you're out but since then you'll beat for St Myrna away I was at that we got beat for Motherwell last week VAR what a laugh and then yesterday but you know like we said today you're, you're, you're bottom you're three points behind so it doesn't matter for any of the games you've got others possession or all these shots or anything you like you still could be you the only start that matters is the one in the top left corner and it's 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 been 4-2 against, 1-0 against, and 2-1 against in recent times. So it seems that Aberdeen and Hibs, two wins, seem miles away. I know they're, a, they're like a month away, but they seem a long time ago. Feel a while back, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think even like from an Aberdeen perspective, in, on one hand, it feels like it was a long time ago already. <laughs> but then I, I just come back to it, and I'm always like, actually, it's only been a month since that. It was just, you know, between that and the, the, the fixture, Ibrox probably easily, well, easily our worst two performances of the season um ibrox potentially is worse because it was four going on about 12 or 13 potentially um and because of the kind of sheer tactical naivety from from us to go there and play so open um tanadice was just such a shocker for us but at the same time it was like i could see it happening as soon as we got given the shed late night kickoff big crowd you know it just had the recipe for aberdeen shit in the bed and in fairness to united absolutely pulled our pants down um yeah. and, and i think probably provided a blueprint for a lot of teams on how they should play against us this season yeah. um it's, it's off the back of that we've we've had to switch to a 
a three at the back because of just how badly exposed our centre back pairing were on the evening. Um, yeah, and I, I think for us though, you know, obviously Liam Fox sprung a real surprise for how United lined up that day. You know, you went with two fullbacks in at the back three, which worked last season a couple of times when we used it against Celtic and that. And then, but obviously, Hibbs scout went. Well, that's something new, so we'll try and do that. And to be fair, United held their own that game, but mm-hmm. Sam Murn just bullied with Curtis Main. Could have been Harry Kane, honestly. <laughs> uh, he was just now. I'm not degrading because I'm I'm sat here on a Sunday night, no as a professional footballer, right? But Curtis Main shouldn't have be tearing up any game, like in my opinion, just when I've seen him. But he cost Neymar a bother, and then they just swarmed ahead, and it was like. Again, they just suspect this at man because we're not good time. But I'm thinking, how are we? How? How? With this score of players, how is this happening? Because on paper, we look a really good team. Oh, on paper, he's a good world. squad. Yeah, it's the old habit, isn't it? The game's oh, not played on paper, unfortunately. Unbelievable. Um, it just comes back to 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 that. It, it's you know, you could have went to Ibrox last week, right? Had other possession, and and I heard your chances and whatever, and you get beat four one. You go, you know what? Before I go. Yeah. But see when you didn't get any of that or you didn't have any shots on target, you can get as much possession as you like. It's just, it's such a frustrating thing that, I don't, again, I can only speak for United, but we went through so many phases, even last season, at trying to pass the ball into the net. Nobody shooting for 30 yards, 20 yards, having a go. like, And it was really frustrating. And now they try, like, we knock the ball about really well. We can we can go, we go long sometimes when we shouldn't have when it's just Tony Watt up front and no Stephen Fletcher but you know there's, there seems to be slight ways of playing but we kind of date for 90 minutes it's like we yeah. date for 9 minutes and even in the game against you guys at Canada's we were really good in spells like but when we were good we were really good but it was like a 20 minute period I don't think we've seen the ball you know yes it's, it, yeah. it's that frustrating it's so frustrating and again only thing I'm asked at the end of the day is you win the game the phone off flat United probably did on the night but you're just thinking, geez, oh, you know, we get a bit of luck with the fourth goal win. I'm not sure where the goal is going. He's going to get a pie <laughs> or something. But yeah, can you, you get that? And when you need a bit of luck, and we needed a bit of luck, like that could have been a one 0 win, and we'd have celebrated the same. But it's just yeah. been such a frustrating. Thing. It was, it was quite a weird game actually. Now I think back about it because first half we were just so bad, and then I thought second half we kind of came out and we switched things a bit. We we shifted formation actually. Start the second half, Connor mm-hmm. Barron and, and Clarkson came on. Yeah. And we started putting you guys under a bit of pressure. And I had this feeling if we could get one, I thought we'd get two. And then it would be an interesting game, you know, maybe last 10, 15 minutes. It would have tested a lot of character about United at that point, having gone so badly up to the point, up to that point in the season. I think the penalty is a soft one. I still think it is a little bit. Um, Sybil does well to get the right side of, or wrong side of McCrory, depending on which way you want to look at it. VAR probably gives it, to be fair. Um seen what's been going on the last oh. few days so oh. but you know it came at a really good time for United as well that penalty because I think at that point you guys were under the caution it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if we had scored but hey there we go um, it wasn't to be what's interesting when we spoke to Dave um, before the game at Tanadice we were kind of drawing a lot of parallels when we looked at like your data up until that point and I've had a look at it again at the moment it's very similar still there's not been a lot of change between how United have been playing since since that game and now and we were kind of the same like the parallels between United this season and Aberdeen last season under Stephen Glass were really glaring. It was like loads of possession, but not seemingly doing anything with it and, and kind of not even moving up the park particularly quickly with possession. It seemed like it was quite slow, quite ponderous, trying to be kind of intricate, 
but nothing really to show at the end of it. And it, I've had a look at the numbers again since the, the, the game earlier in the month, and it doesn't look like that's changed very much. It looks like that's still kind of very much the kind of pattern of play. Yeah, it's, it's really, when, when you look at United's possession stats especially, and it's the only one I really bring up because it shows either a real lack of use for the ball or shows you're actually very good without the ball. I think depending on how you look at it, like I would, I would argue that a Livingston fan would go, you know, we don't see a lot of the ball, but throw the ball into our box all you want. We'll happily defend it. You know, that yeah, kind of exactly. thing. You look at like United's and I was, I was prepping this for, um, for on the pot, but we got off on a, uh, a total tangent today and I actually never brought up. So like, like yesterday, United are 26% of the ball, right? I nearly got a point. Yeah. The week before at Motherwell, it was quite close. 46, you know, 54. There's no much in that, right? That's 50. That's arguably 50-50 for me. We go to St. Mern, we have 63% of the possession. What? What? Two, three shots on target. They are two. Beat with 2-1. Like, yeah. you know, uh, and I think the Ross County game we had loads where about 60% against Hibs it was only 36. You guys, it was about 35. But again, you only had one shot on target. So it shows that we might not have had a lot of the ball, but you could say we defended really well, we've pressed, we've done the right things and we've scored when we've had eight shots on target, apparently out of that. So it shows how effective you are with the ball. And it just seems that sometimes it's, sometimes we look really good. And we'll have, like I said earlier, we have some really nice passages of play and then sometimes game just bypasses loads of players. You know, and I, I, they'll be getting, like I said, against you guys, even the score might be 2-0, United at one point. We've never seen the ball for about 20 minutes. Like, it, again, probably that spell right after half time, actually. But, the, and th those are real, it's really frustrating. It's mm -hmm. really frustrating. And, it, you know, we've tried, we went to about three, back four, back five, flat back nine yesterday, whatever it was. But <laughs> I, I could see yesterday, and I said this today, that I could see exactly where the changes he made, he's went to be, you know, 5-4-1, Pack the midfield, stop them passing through, you know, go low block, just be defensive, be compact. I could see, and I could see what he's trying to do. He's played Fletcher, so you've got an out ball. Yeah. And, you know, when you go one nil down six minutes, you're feeling the worst. But in the second half, he made other changes. It changed the team slightly. We had, no, it didn't go for it, but United come out a wee bit, you know, Levitt comes on, young Archie Meekison comes on, and they looked a different team. And again, you look at the stats. And it was too old. Like, if the game had finished there, you'd look at the stats and sell it be raging. You know, if you're a Celtic fan, you're going, what's, what's going on? But, you know, it, it's obviously our clubs, all our team's faults that they're terrible in Europe. Of but, course. Um, it's just so frustrating to put that kind of effort and get some plaudits out the second half. But what about the first half when you're really passive and you lose your man and, and stuff? But it, it's it's... It's simple errors. It's silly errors. It's I mean, somebody said to me yesterday at a wedding, I was at... It's amateur football. Mm. Boys would be screaming at you if you'd done that in amateur football. You know, and it's, it, it just stopped the cross. Like, or let the man be. I mean, there's a there's a the third goal. Hugo's the weakest player in the park. Maybe he stoops to head a ball in. Two boys point at him. Yeah. They're not pointing him. Just chase him. It's the 90th minute. And he's like, head. he's within the six yard box as well. Like, oh, it's, wow. yeah, it, it's, it's know, a terrible goal to. It's an to argument leave. the keeper should get it, but it's probably the other side of the six-yard line, if you know what I mean. Any in the six-yard box, I'm very much an advocate. It's the keeper's ball. Yeah. And then the third then, the fourth one, sorry, I could see United are pushing up. They get a break. Boy chips it. I think the keeper gets smaller when he chips it, to be fair. It's a good finish. But you're then looking at the stats and go, oh, it's probably deserved. But there's an argument that United done well in the second half, but... If, if you get 2-2 two, two with a minute to go, you know, you've, you've got to be seen out, haven't you? You've got, you've got to. Like, Talk about... Talk about the keepers, because like I, I dip in and dip out of like 
you know, um, United Twitter every now and again, um, just to try and make myself feel a wee bit better sometimes. And uh, Hibs Twitter in the last 40 hours has been glorious. Amazing. That's all I'm going to say. Um, the keepers seem to be getting a, a brunt of this. Um, fair to say that neither of the two you've got, is it Berigiti? I can never pronounce his name. Berigiti and Ericsson. Berigiti yeah. and Ericsson. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. It's really frustrating. I think Berigiti come in, number one, thrown right in. A tough time out, went out, Mark, conceded seven, done a Superman a couple of times, got brought out of the team, fair enough. Like, fair enough. <laughs> Big move, you know, you've moved for Australia to here, you get thrown in, maybe it should have been a bit more, we'll bed you in, but the season was coming to a start, fair enough. And then, you know, Carl Johan comes in, we'll concede nine, you know, we'll concede well. Heart, I think, I'm pretty sure, did he play against Hearts? No, better he played against Hearts. I think maybe, St. Martin was his first game. Okay. If, oh, and Main goal. scores the goal, doesn't he? Was it Main? When well, he comes out, like, he comes oh, and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's playing as a sweet bar when yeah. there's no need to. We're yeah. already 2 0 down. Bye. So, and again, we get nine for sale. Like, no, again, none of his fault, right? And this is what I was getting at. And even on the podcast, I was saying to Paul that, in my opinion, I think Berge deserves another chance. And only last week I said he deserves another chance. I wasn't saying it was now because <laughs> there, was, there wasn't any goals that I really felt. He he didn't throw in, and he's no you know stuff like that. The both their distribution isn't great. Like the distributions, so well, it's erratic. One time he'll ping a ball, and you think you're watching a top level keeper, and he's found a boy in halfway line. And then other times it just goes in the stand. Dead frustrating. It's really it's a lot of frustrations. And then you know, and then Bergie come in, and then yesterday uh, he just got popped on rest for the second goal. Yeah. Like his hands on it. I don't know what happens, but then earlier in the half, he's had two great saves. So it's it's really really frustrating. And and you know for for all the stick, Benji took a wee bit last year because he wasn't a, as good. He's my he was miles better, miles better. And it maybe just shows how good a keeper we had. And now he's sitting on the Celtic bench. But <laughs> you're just thinking that you know when that was good. And to be fair, I mean, there's been a couple of games you know that I thought. Ericsson had really good saves and he, he, he's done well, but none of them have been like kind of star men every week. Like, but again, they, they actually don't. When you look at the stats, apart from you know really the, the bigger team, see like your Kamarnicks, the Simmons, Ross Counties, and whatever. Like, they don't have many shots at goal, so all the keeper seems to do is pick a boy in the net. Yeah, you know, and it's dead frustrating. And yeah. even last uh, yeah last week, Barry, he should save it because it's right, it's above him. He should save it. Apart from that, I can't mind them doing anything else last week, which is, you know, and that's that's a frustrating thing. Yeah, and this this goes back to what we spoke about before the, the game at Tannadice. With it was parallels with what happened with Aberdeen last season under Glass because there were times where teams would come and we would play, and we would we wouldn't necessarily play teams off the park because we weren't. We were being so slow, so ponderous in possession. But teams would come to Pataudry in particular, and they'd maybe have one shot and goal in the entire game. And it would be a worldie or it would be a really good finish and it would go past Joe Lewis. And Joe Lewis's like statistics last season looked horrendous because it was things like his shot percentage saved and like some games was zero because he literally had one shot at him, which was a worldie and flew in the top corner. He could do nothing about it. And you'd be like, what do you do with that? Like, how, how, how do you legislate for that sometimes? It's not really the keeper. There were some areas last season where you could point the keeper, but a lot of the time it wasn't. And that's what we were saying, like the parallels between the two sides from last season and, and, and what United are doing this season is quite yeah, scary. And, and like everyone knows, you know, if a keeper makes a mistake or whatever, or he's not on his game, 
a lot of time it leads a goal. You know, if a striker misses an open goal, like your boy did at Tanadice, it doesn't usually haunt you. But, you know, midfielders can misplace pass, but if a goalie makes a mistake, it, it <laughs> yeah. can for an end up you losing a goal. So it's been really, really frustrating. And I don't really know what happens for here. Because, again, I'm not saying it's the fault yesterday that we lose 4-2, but make the save. You know, if Carter Vickers puts in, he's offside. Yeah. So it's... I mean, I would hope he'd be flagged up offside, put it that way. But yeah, it, it's so it's so frustrating. And it's such a crucial part. And it's very much a harking back to 2015-16 when we had two goalies that shouldn't have been playing because they were too young, they were too inexperienced. McNamara took a risk and inevitably ended up with us being relegated. Now, it's a big word, that, throwing the R word out early. But when you're bottom of the league by three points and you're struggling to really see what you're going to do at your next games and already as we discussed today i'm in november and i'm saying it's must win on wednesday never mind Pataudry. it's must win on wednesday yeah you know so yeah really frustrating i don't know what happens with there i mean like you say two two games to the to the world cup massive regroup there and then i think we come back and there's maybe three games before the january window so yeah it's it's really weird isn't it this season because of that you know, that idea oh, of the break and horrible. then you still don't know where you're quite at before you go in the january window and all that type of stuff because yeah i mean like looking at the the table at the moment you're right i mean if i look at that it, it looks like a proper like you say it's really early to say this in what will be the 15th game of the season for both teams but it almost looks like a six-pointer between killy and yourselves on wednesday night because obviously killy win that they pull what there'll be six no Aye, six points ahead. Um, and there's already a bit of separation starting to take place already between the bottom three and the rest of the league a wee bit. Ross County obviously picking up a decent win against uh, St Mirren over the weekend as well. So, But St Mirren seem, uh, Ross County sorry, seem really hot and cold as well this season. They'd be quite an interesting team to watch. Um, what's your thoughts on the boy Fox? What's your, what's your thoughts? I mean, it seemed like an odd one from the outside looking in that he was given the gig full time. Because um, it wasn't as though the results... I know performances were maybe a wee bit better, but it, like results weren't really there during the interim period. But you're kind of stuck with him now. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, I think that a point raised today that if you go in the World Cup and worst case scenario, we didn't pick any points up this week. Where are you? Like yeah. You could be six abroad, nine adrift. Who've Kelly got next week? Oh, well... Uh, I actually did. I looked at that the day and it's went absolutely out of my head. They're at home to Hibs. They play you Wednesday and home to Hibs. So Hibs so, are rotten on the road. So that'll be three points for Kilmarnock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, and then you've got, uh, I think Ross County play, they play Hibs as well, actually. They play Hibs on Tuesday. Okay. Ross County play Hibs on Tuesday and then Ross County play Celtic on Saturday. So it's hypothetical that that's yeah. the way it happens. But we've seen results like we've seen the day. Mm-hmm. St. Johnson meeting Rangers, you know. So you just didn't know. But, if you go to that and you're that adrift, and then you come back after the World Cup and you've done a bit and you've got three games and you maybe pick up three points, you know, you could still you could be a fair bit. And that that's the frustrating thing. Um for me, I, I, I probably wasn't surprised that it was Liam Fox. I probably I wasn't surprised. I know that, you know, other man there was a, a couple of other managers certainly spoke to it and interviewed with and uh for me, I was I was kind of going from what I'd heard and uh, we'd had people on speaking about it. I, I was kind of a wee bit, I was in the Kevin Thompson camp, kind of. Okay. Quite like to cut his jib a wee bit and the work he'd obviously done at Kelty and, and stuff. And his team played with a 4-3-3, which gets rid of play five at the back, that kind of thing. I mean, again, it's a bit forced to try and make yourself harder to beat and all that stuff. I get that. So, but again, I wasn't surprised given, you know, Tam Court's appointed in-house and, 
and then that come up and you know Stevie Crawford's then come in there's still another uh, first team coach to be appointed which should take part during the break it's a massive appointment as well you know because stuff like that's crucial like because yeah. I, I I know it falls at the manager like it always falls there but I think modern football now they do take input like from their assistants the coaches the analysts all this stuff I think it is all it'll ultimately end with the manager head coach call it what you will so I just think that I, I would personally like him when he comes out to be a bit more convicted with his talk. Like even yesterday, there's just a wee line about, he says about Celtic, he says, ah, but that's what the best teams do. They play at the end. We should be playing at the end. Like, but we yeah. only played for 90, we only played for 89 minutes. So I hate stuff like that. I hate stuff aye, like that. So there's, there's wee things like that um, and, and stuff that kind of frustrate me. But again, he is quite, you know, you, you listen to Jim Goodwin, he's got the Irish brogue about him. You know, it's, it you know, always sounds a bit harsh and mm-hmm. whatever, you know. But he's quite softly spoken. Well, listen, it's not a bad trait. But I would just hope that last week, at maybe half time against Motherwell, he went in and he was just punching pusses or something. Like he had, someone had to give. And that, it's those wee bits that I just hope we might not see. But I yeah. hope that that stuff's happening. So, um, He's obviously only brought in Arnold Zoom, who was obviously out of contract. So it'll be interesting if he's, if he's there in January, because I think you've got five, I mean, the World Cup, so we'll just phrase it. There's five World Cup finals coming up. Like, yeah, these are massive to get you to the January transfer window. And if you are, if you've pulled yourself into the mix, above the mix, you know, is it a case that, you know, you maybe only need to bring one in? Because right now you're thinking, do we need to go and look, do they need to go and look at a lone goalkeeper for someplace to just help out? Do they need... I mean, I was shouting today, what's Conrad Logan up to? He played in that cup in the cup for Hibs against us. He was brilliant. Uh, you know, there's probably a need for an R set and a half because Charlie McGrew's not kicked the ball in about a month. Um is he still injured? injured. Still injured, yeah. Injured. Again, when you're 36, injuries are no easy. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I think so stuff like that's kind of no playing against one, but you, you, you are looking that they would st- there's still positions. There, there, there was a real imbalance in the team, and I think they've he's trying to counter it by playing maybe the wing backs and being attacking and stuff. But and you look at our bench and it's no full of kids, and it was last year for a lot, and you're worried a wee bit that you know it's great to go over three 0 up. We can put a couple of kids on, but you know when you when you're forced that you're chasing a game last season, you wouldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas this season the bench is a bit more because there's a few more players in there. But I'm not sure I look and go, but you'll get me a goal for the bench. You, you'll help, you know. But I'm not sure you'll go out and get the goal and whatever. But it showed just that the changes can work. You know, people then argue, but how do you do that to start with? Because the game plan of party do is obviously to to soak up what we can and, and stuff like that. And I've got no doubt he's learning on the job. Yeah, no, no doubt. And. He'll need supported because there still has to be changes. You know, we definitely still need to get in our centre half. I mean, we're playing two fullbacks that are not even, and I, I doubt six foot next to Ryan Edwards. You know? I think that was the thing that was so galling for us in the performance at Tannadice in at the start of the start of October was because I mean, I remember us doing all the analysis going into the game and looking at what we could expect, and it was just like you know, uh, at that point, you were playing the three. It's like that's a defence which is there to be got at, and we just didn't do it. We just didn't even. Threaten really there was the Miofsky miss in the first half is I don't think it's game changing because it happens at nil nil but it, it sets the tone um, after that which is unfortunate. Well, he, he wasn't really seen the rest of the game. 
No, had a, no. had a decent chance second half. I think there was a lot of Aberdeen fans thinking she was on better with, but I, I was a bit like, it's not the easiest chance in the world, chesting it down, no, no. Volleying, the, volleying the weaker foot, under pressure from Edwards, I think. But yeah, interesting. What do you think? How, how do you think Liam Fox decides to approach Saturday then? Because as I said earlier on, it felt to me that United really put down a blueprint there to a lot of teams on how you can play Aberdeen um, during that game. Do you think he comes and tries to do the same again? I think uh, I think a lot will depend on Wednesday. I think Wednesday, I mean, again, for me, I think he has to go, taking Wednesday first, I would think he has to go 4-5-1, 4-2-3-1, call it what you will, and try and get it, come on it. You're at home. Uh, first and foremost, you're at home. Yeah. And I always say that, and I've, I've said it for uh, forever on our podcast, but in general, see if your team goes all out and gives everything and they get beat. It's it's easier to stomach because they've left everyone on the park. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or somebody's pinged in for 30 yards or there's been a lock or a penalty or whatever. It could be anything, but the effort has to be there. It's a wee bit different when you're at home against your rival that are down there with you and you come out and you play five at the back or, you know, a four in midfield and one up. That that would really frustrate me. Um, I still think, I still think we might play that way. I think he may play three at the back. On uh, because Lafferty's out and Deutsch is out because basically Kilmarnock in the cup they'd obviously been at Sea United against Aberdeen yeah. and Hibs and went there's two boys two wee boys who got played next to Ryan Edwards let's go and put Deutsch and Lafferty on he never plays them together but against no. United he just went go and bully them and they yeah. did the bully do. so um, it'll be interesting that but I would I would like us to go to a four at the back have we got the personnel for it I think we do um, but against It'll really depend on the result. I think if we, I think if we were to win on Wednesday, he may go more defensive because that is a way for home as well, and you've got three points in the bag. But if there's, if we don't, I'm, I, I'd hate to think what it'll be. I think he, I think we'll, he can't go defensive. He has to. He, we have to go all out in these two games. You know, what I mean, if you win one and lose one, you've got three points at the very yeah. least. But. Um, so it'll be an interesting one. I think Fletcher has to play. I think he's a handful for every. Defense. I think he's. He, I think he's no nice to play against. He seems yeah. to put himself about quite a lot. Um, I think Berghetti will probably still be in, uh, although he's had a couple of. I, I think if you were to replace him now, what does that do to his confidence? Well, actually, basically, saying you're gone, you, isn't it? Gone. He's been in, out, back in, and back out again is a bit of a. That's uh, you know, and I think two games the World Cup. He'll probably get home for the World Cup. I don't know what the plans are. I think the players will get a couple of weeks off and then they'll go away somewhere or whatever. Um, but in midfield, I think the I think Sybil shows up. I think he's he's been really good. Um what about that haircut? Oh, does what he likes. He do what he likes. That's what I that's a shocker. Absolute shocker. It's do what he likes. I'm, I'm no fussed because he is one that looks like he cares what's going on right now. And, and you know, full-time whistle went last week against Motherwell and he was on the deck. You know, he, he gave every end. So I think he plays, I think Levitt has to play to make you tick. He has to play further forward though. Um, and I quite like, I, I like the McGrath Middleton. I like McGrath on one side. He's not as quick as Middleton, but they, they're two very good players, but two very different players. Yeah, yeah. So... There's other spots up for grabs, whether Zoom plays or Harks plays. Again, depending on what we're playing. Playing um, Edwards, Ross Graham has to come in for me as well. He did get a bit of an arse feeling for Stevie May at St Johnston. That was probably his worst game for United. But other than that, when you've been screaming out for a centre half that's over six foot and he's been sat on the bench, 
that's kind of, but that's nothing against Scott McMahon, by the way. I think he's been really good in that back four. And again, that's the weird thing. <clears throat> now, I'm giving my age away, right? But in my 40 years, <clears throat> in my 30 years of probably watching football, I've, like, there's obviously not as many left footers, right? Yeah. But I, I've known back fours to play with right footers playing in every position. It never happens with a lefty. And we were saying that, one of the boys was saying uh, the other day, he was like, well, how's he not playing still Liam Smith? And I was like, ah, but he's left-footed, so you'll not play there. And he's like, how? It would happen the other way around. And I'm like, okay, mate, you're right. It's a very good point. It's, yeah. I don't know why that happens. Like, Dave Nairn, was right-footed, played the left centre-back for United for umpteen years. And it, like the best player that's ever played for United. You know, and I'm thinking, how How could he not? But again, it just seems to be the way. Because if anyone wants to come here, well, there's a, an argument it could be the captain. But do you drop your captain? Because he's not been as good as he's been. But I thought against Aberdeen, he was brilliant. I thought against yeah. Hibs, he was really good. You know, so it's... And then against Summerlin, he was terrible. So it's it's any of them. So I, I would have him in. But yeah, it, it's hard to... It's hard to say how exactly we... But they, they need to be physical. We need to roll the sleeves up. They need to stop crosses. And before we even get to... But really, we just need to be Kilmarnock, you know. I think that game will have a, you know, if you go in on a win, I think the same team then plays. You probably maybe play a similar way. But there'll be no doubt, you know, that they'll watch where you guys have been lining up and, and whatever. So it'll be a, a, it'll be interesting to see how we go, what changes he makes. And again, I know you're we're recording this early before the midweek games, but it will really be interesting to see how United line up during the week. Yeah, against Kelly after the changes yesterday. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I don't mind a six o'clock kickoff either. Like, I, I, I don't mind that. I thought the atmosphere was really good, actually. So I think it'll be the same up the road. Um, and United fans, you know, we've had some terrible away days. You know, 35 quid at Parkhead yesterday. Um, you know, we also had three, three or four in a row as well with Kelly at Mern and Ross County, I think, yeah. on a row. And, you know, some commitment for fans and... Aberdeen's always has always been a, a kind of good away day, and I think for most they're thinking, I hope the bus is leaving at the same time. You know, oh, I hope absolutely. it's not leaving three hours later. So um yeah, it's uh, listen, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough um regardless, but we I just pray we're going there with three points previously earned, and then anything we could build on that, and hopefully for a positive finish. And again, if you offer me a point now, I'd take it. I know it's, it sounds dead defeat sometimes, but see if I were to get four points this week, I'd be delighted. I think you get delighted. four points out of the week, given where you're at at the moment. It's oh, a decent, it's a decent huge. end result there, and it, it sends you off into that World Cup break in a more positive trajectory, yeah, doesn't yeah. it? Then yeah, you're going with two defeats, and it's you know, it's massively important. So we'll we'll see what happens, but I would hope, uh, hopefully, we can do that and, and and get a bit of positivity and and get up because you know already your three points adrift. You know, and like we said, looking at the fixtures, it's maybe not as bad this week. But you could be four points, five yeah. points adrift. It's not no a nice place it would be if that happens. Even better for you, you could be off the bottom of the table going in, and that's that's exactly what you'd be looking for. So um... huge. I'm already accepting if if the if the since Premiership wants to end now and you can be tenth, <laughs> I'm taking it right no, now. Like take it. it's it's horrendous to think that, but that's Generally, when you look at the league table now, it's like, it's got to be. The club are like, oh, no, top six still the aim. 11th's the aim right now. And then 10th. Like, that's, you know, what, we're a third of the way through, maybe? Nearly? Uh, what's that now? Uh, we're just going past the third, yeah, because it's the so, 14 games you boys are on. There's a hell of a lot of games to go. Didn't get me wrong. Yeah. But, and the worst thing has been in that bottom six, especially if you could still be in trouble. 
Like yeah. when you comes to the split, that's horrendous. So yeah, it's gonna take a lot this week too. Massive games. It'd been great if we got a point yesterday. I know it's only a point, it'd still be bottom, but it would have been a massive sort of point and a, a jump. But yeah, I can't believe I'm talking about a must win against Kilmarnock at home in November already. It's it's crazy. Let alone going up to Aberdeen on Saturday, it's the last game before the I kept calling it the split earlier. I know. Uh, before the World Cup break. So, yeah, it's going to be a first. And it might come at the right time. It might, the break might come at the right time, regardless of uh, how, mm. how, how the games do. have went. Yeah. Ronnie, listen, we'll wrap up here, but we, we can never let our guests leave without offering us a prediction for, for Saturday. And I know, again, it's hard to do with, when we don't know what's happened midweek, but we're going to have to make you put your nuts on the line here. Give us a prediction for Saturday evening. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um... Listen, I'll 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 take a boring draw now, right? I'll take a one all. I'll take a nil nil. Uh, I'll take a two. I'll take anything. Uh, I'm not sure we'll win the game. We just kind of get beaten, so it'll probably end up horrendous now. But I'll I'll go one all. I'll, I'll play it very very safe. Love it. There we go. Ronnie Costello from the Door Fox Podcast. Thank you very much, mate, for joining us tonight. Um. I was going to say all the best for the week. I'd be lying <laughs> if I said You'd that. Be lying for through Sunday. your teeth. But for the rest of the season, absolutely. You know, as 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 much as we like to poke fun, I think at our our rivals every now and again. Um, the league's not the same when it's when we don't have the teams in there that we like to have a bit of fun with. Uh, so yeah, all the best for the rest of the season, mate. And uh, hopefully we'll maybe catch up with you later in the season again. Yeah, no problem. Cheers for the invite. Top man. Take care. And that wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And please remember to like, subscribe, follow, or whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 71. You'll just have to make do with Gav and Graham for this one, I'm afraid. Uh, I am on my travels where we will review our last match before the World Cup break as Saturday Night Football returns to Pataudry and... We'll bring you the latest in our line of interviews with Don's personalities of past and present as we bring you, and I can confidently say this is a world-exclusive first chat. Definitely in English. <laughs> it's not his first ever chat. It's a first chat with, I think, a podcast. I'm certain of that. It's Alex DeRocco. Like, seriously. We'll look forward to seeing you then. Stand free. Who says we're the hipster podcast? This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!